just live the life that you've envisaged or dreamed. And that doesn't matter what that is. Just, yeah, you'll know what's authentic to your soul mm. and you go and get it. ever reflect on what your unique gifts and talents are. It's rare as women to take a moment to think of ourselves in this way. But what would happen if we made an effort to dig into what our gifts are and how we could get more enjoyment, growth and fulfillment from them in our everyday life? This is Topmast, the podcast for women in the middle of their personal and professional journey, who value continuous learning and growth and who want to dedicate time to understand themselves better. This is a space for us to collectively dive deep and witness our true talents, to feel seen by a community of women on a similar journey, and to celebrate and understand our gifts no matter where we are in life. My name is Beck Newman. I'm a creative director living and working in London. In each episode of Top Mast, I'll be in conversation with different people who identify as women about what they believe to be their greatest gifts in life. We'll unpack how each woman discovered these gifts, how she nurtures them, and how they manifest in her professional and personal lives. The women I speak to are so generous with sharing their journeys, and all of them are uncovering some brilliant insights, no matter how old they are, where they come from, where they work, or where their passions lie. I hope that in listening to these conversations, you feel invited to reflect on what your own gifts are. Because I believe that once we acknowledge and nurture our unique gifts, we can find an ongoing sense of fulfillment, wonder and purpose in our lives. Today's guest is Samantha Connaughton, who works in the music industry and who I knew would be a dear friend as soon as we met a few years ago. To borrow her own turn of phrase, she is simply a good egg and has a knack for making everyone around her feel supported and safe. In our conversation, we discuss her gift of maintaining balance in all aspects of life, expanding empathy through your lived experience, and authentically expressing your sense of self. First of all, I would like to know how you would actually define what a gift is. So for me, I think a gift is something that you are innately born with, Mm -hmm. and it manifests and even as a child, you'll display notions of it. And then as you're older, you start to develop and nurture it. And then you realise that it's a gift. And then it's just part of you. I think we can all learn things and learn strategies to be more X, Y, Z. But I think innately who you are as a child is what manifests itself when you're a grown-up. Ooh, interesting. So do you feel like you've always thought of gifts in that way? Not necessarily. I always kind of thought that they were outwardly things. So if someone was like, oh, she's a gifted child, she's good at singing or tap dancing. And you kind of, they're those things that are learned. But I think stripping it back now as a grown up and looking back, the things that I identify now as gifts were always there Mm. in a smaller way, but they're always there. Mm, That's super interesting. So in terms of approaching this, exercise for this podcast about thinking about your own gifts how did you approach it I kind of thought of the things that I'm good at 
in the workplace, at home, in my friendships, within my family. And if there was a common thread, then I kind of was like, okay, that's, that's me. That's part of me. So that's sort of how I identified them as gifts. Mm-hmm. Did you consult anybody else? Not really. I think I would have 10 years ago. Okay. Maybe even before. But I think the older I get, you get a stronger sense of self. And I think that can wane sometimes. If you're with people who you're not really vibing with, I think you can kind of hide little elements of yourself or... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a sense of self, definitely, and the confidence to display that. And also when to hide it as well, because some people you have to be nurturing of them if they're not quite at the same level as you. So I think it's about balance, which is one thing that I did identify as the gift, sort of knowing where to strike that middle ground. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you ever taken the time to think about what your gifts are in this kind of way? I'd have people comment like, oh, Sam, you're really good at this. Or, oh, mm-hmm. I knew that that would happen. Um, and that's in various sort of parts of my life, be it work or even be it writing poetry or, you know, and people are like, oh, Sam, you should paste that. And I'd be like, it didn't even occur to me. And then I started like a little Instagram and, you know, getting nice reposts or people making it onto T-shirts or small things like that. And you're kind of still a bit sort of cautious about it. And Mm -hmm. I still didn't think of that as a gift because it was just a little bit like the child. Oh, tap dancing or your horse riding, whatever. Okay, let's jump into your first gift that you've mentioned. And actually, I'll jump into the one that you just mentioned just before the balance. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? What is that gift? So balance to me is... As a Libra woman, I think maybe <laughs> it does pull sort of remnants from that. I think I have the ability if someone reacts in a certain way that I would be able to put myself in their shoes, but I don't blur at that with empathy. It's a little bit of a 180 and a mirror image of my balance. So I would have sort of put myself in their shoes, but also so I'm not taken advantage of in a situation, have agency over my actions so it's Mm -hmm. always about the balance not necessarily even of power but just of a situation just you know for an example there was a a lady in my work who was a bit unkind and I came home to my lovely sister and was like oh this woman yeah she was really mean to me And, and I took it personally and my sister was like there's no such thing as a mean woman there's only an insecure woman And that just flipped something for me that the balance wasn't that it was personal towards me. It was Mm. that she was the one sort of feeling, you know, that she was floundering. And that quote really flipped things. And I do apply that now. So that's about the balance, me not reacting to something, which, you know, rarely happens, but it's life. Things do happen. And then being able to see it with that perspective. And that balances me to not tip if that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And so it sounds like this was like something that there was quite a specific turning point for you where you sort of started tapping into that. Do you feel like there were hints of this being a gift or talent of yours before that turning point with your sister? 
I think just the framework. I'm I'm quite a relaxed person anyway, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, pretty relaxed. But that thought process did flip something for me, which kind of ignited something that we're still learning. And the, even that tiny little nugget of knowledge, there's so much more I don't know. And it's mm. like that lovely grasping for more viewpoints and, you know, the little lines that just, they just stay with you. You mentioned before that you feel like gifts are things that you inherently have from being a young age. So in terms of this gift... I think it definitely sounds like it's something that you can really grow and develop over time. It comes with maturity, particularly emotional maturity. But I'm wondering, thinking back to when you were little, you didn't necessarily have the emotional maturity that you have now. How do you think this gift manifested itself then as a child? So I was an only child till I was seven. So there's a big age gap between me and my brother and sister. Uh They're very close, only 18 months. But I think being fair and the balance of time, recognising, you know, these are young babies that would need my mum's attention. I wasn't that scrapping for attention or, yeah, I think just fairness, I think, does kind of weave into the notion of the gift of balance. I rarely get angry. I'll get very happy and I cry more (laughs) with happiness than I have cried sad things. I, you know, but I'm quite, yeah, together, balanced. Yeah. And it sounds like this is something that, like, would you agree that you're very conscious of it? And is it, is this something that you feel like you're consistently consciously developing? Or actually, is it sort of an unconscious thing? I think definitely unconscious. <clears throat> I think if if I was conscious of it, it would feel strategic. And that f- goes against, I think, the things that I, yeah, that doesn't feel like me. Mm. Sort of not in a negative way, but more calculated or sociopathic, I dare to say. It feels a little bit more, yeah, sh- structured and that doesn't feel like me it's definitely more free and innate way Mm. of being definitely Mm. and I suppose it also sounds like you wouldn't want to so I mean if you think of like this gift as like a superpower that you have Mm -hmm. you wouldn't want to use your superpower for evil (laughs) if you know what I mean you know you don't want to I think that's so interesting that actually what you're talking about yeah, in a different person, it could manifest in them being ultra conscious of it and kind of using it to kind of bend things in a certain way, make situations go in a certain way. Whereas actually, you're sounds like you're coming from a place where you're not just seeking balance for yourself, but balance for others in the situation as well. Definitely. <clears throat> There's a very, very fine line, I think. Yeah, so it's just, I think, harmony. It's those kind of things I draw in more than tipping something more for my gain, definitely. Mm. And it also sounds like something that is at play very strongly in both your professional and personal lives. I think so. I think we've got to be conscious of other people's needs, feelings, 
people are, you know, tender people, I think, innately. Mm. And, yeah, I think where we spoke about having agency in a situation, that's so I don't get taken for advantage, but that's not flipping balance to to do that to them. Mm. But I think I like a peaceful life. And, yeah, I think um, Paul, my fiancé, said something before to me recently and I was like, oh, do you think it's strange that we don't argue? And he was like, well, why would we? If we're lucky, we have 50 more summers together. And what, why would we fight? That's not that long. And that even just put it into context to me how little time we have here. So why would you sort of go to get one over on someone or just have a lovely time? Mm. That's kind of my, my balance is, yeah, making sure it's nice and everyone feels comfortable and safe and secure Mm. and that's from colleagues to friends to my family like this is a safe space Mm. what's sounding really powerful to me is that this is really coming from a place of confidence for you and I want to touch on something that you've been saying that I think actually like deserves to be looked at closer which is you know you're not sacrificing your power in these situations or maybe power is too strong a word but you know you're talking about wanting people to feel safe and comfortable but at the same time I wouldn't say that you sound like you're inverted commas a people pleaser correct Mm. balance yeah (laughs) and that's where I draw it definitely I think I'd kind of retreat if I thought someone was trying to take advantage or definitely I think I can suss people's vibes quite well Mm -hmm. um in my job definitely you know meeting people all the time different people there's egos involved there's you know fragility people are putting themselves out there with their art that must be you know very nerve-wracking for some people and it's striking the balance then of making them feel comfortable Mm. but also yeah 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 sort of I guess reaching that compromise definitely I won't sacrifice myself Mm. or my precious you know personal space yeah yeah I mean so I'd love to talk about another one of your gifts that you've mentioned and that's empathy you mentioned before that you do see this as separate to that balance can you describe what you mean by empathy and and kind of explain how it's different to that they're different and so similar it is hard (laughs) to draw the line but I think as humans we all have that connection anyway and we all you know, if if someone has been through something dreadful, even if it hasn't sort of happened to me, I probably have a friend who it has happened to or... And you can kind of draw on, you know, the love I would feel for the person who had a similar situation and how I would reach out to them, you know, be that a colleague or a friend or... I think it's such a an experience we're all having as humans and to be there for someone, show up not just for the good times but yeah I think just definitely taking a moment I think we can all fall into the trap of being I'm so busy I'm so Mm. busy that's not living well yes we are busy and things do take up our time but we need to stop in and check in with our friends if they're 
mum isn't well. Just that little text to be, you know, I'm thinking of you, I love you, I'm all, I'm, I'm here. I, th I think that's where the empathy is, just to kind of stop and what's happening right in front of you isn't the be all and end all. And it's almost like a big spider web and everyone's having their own unique experience even that day. We say even sometimes like, I live not far from a hospital and sometimes we hear ambulances and, and I'll just think, God, I'm really lucky I'm sat in my garden with a glass of wine, but someone's life could have changed forever right now. And I think it's always just being plugged into, there's a lot of things going on behind every single door you walk past on one road. There's hundreds of lives happening and all unfurling in different ways. And just to be kind, mm. I think, about that. Mm. That's super interesting to me because it sounds like you don't even need to like be in the same room as someone to be kind of trying to tap into that empathy. It's like it's kind of going beyond just being able to read people. Does that make sense? It does make sense. It's not a conscious thing. Yeah. Like let's think about the world. It's, <laughs> it's definitely not anything, but it's yeah. just fleeting thoughts but to mm. listen to them, you know, we can all be scrolling on Instagram or, but just, just look out the window sometimes and just put the phone down and just, just have a think. I think you realise how small you are. Mm -hmm. I also wonder like how connected the empathy is with the balance, because I'm really curious to hear how you read a situation and determine how you want it to be balanced and how to make people feel comfortable, including yourself. Do you tap into the empathy to be able to do that? Maybe not consciously. I think mm. if there's a shared experience that comes up and empathy, I think, is even a good thing. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be bad things that have happened it could be you know mm. I connected with with a really lovely lady recently who had got married and I'm about to get married and our music stuff was the same our dresses were similar she went to the honeymoon place where I am and we were at the end like hugging each other being it's so good to meet you and I think even well that's just connection I guess but I think just being mindful that the role we have to play even if we are just in a work setting it can naturally trickle through how you would be at home. I've worked with a lot of younger people and I see them every day trying to prove themselves and working longer. And I'm like, hey, get out, <laughs> get, to the, you know, get to the pub. It's, I think there's so much more important things. Work is important, it is. And I think it can give grounding to some people, their self-esteem, but I don't think it's the be all and end all. Mm. And when I think back to the younger me who was still in the office at 10 o'clock and making friends with all the, you know, the security staff, that's not important to me now. Mm -hmm. It's about, I kind of categorise it as work life and my real life, mm -hmm. you know? So on a Friday evening at five when my laptop shuts, oh, it's our real life now. And But I think that the me does trickle into the workplace with empathy and balance, but in a little bit more of a reserved way, unless it was something alarming, I mm -hmm. think, definitely. And then I think all 
professionalism goes out the window and I would just be there for that person because mm. I think we spend so much of our time in the workplace more than our friends and family with these people and I think create that safe space and um, to be a good egg mm. yeah you mentioned like you know advising or helping give guidance to some of the younger people that you work with is it important to you that your gifts are for the benefit or in service to other people or maybe it's not even something maybe it's just a nice byproduct I think overall it sounds like you do all of this quite unconsciously yeah I think so I even went for a lunch with two colleagues today and one is 26 and she's brilliant but I don't want her to stay. And I was trying to force her today to leave. Not for anything. And it would be awful if she left because mm. she's fantastic. But I was like, you need to go and travel. And I was, and she was like, well, what, what would I do after? And I was like, that's not the question. Like, you need to go and do this. Da, 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 da. Mm. And I think I almost look at the younger colleagues almost a bit. And I think the age gap between my brother and me and my brother and sister plays a part of that. Definitely. Yeah, I think I would always try and be kind to anyone younger because mm -hmm. I always think of if it was my sister who came home, like, oh, someone was really awful to me today. And I think, oh, you, you know, it would just be awful. And I never want to be that person in some worried mother like in another, in another house. But I think I do take on almost a big sister role then mm. and just want them a little bit how we talked before about our real life. Like, you'll always find a job, really. Mm. You know, regardless of what it is, this is not going to be the only job you're ever going to have, but you only have a limited amount of time to, you know, dance on the beach at 5am. So yeah, I'll definitely, definitely push people for experiences. And I think life experiences are so important to help people develop that empathy. A hundred percent. 100%. And, you know, you you do need to have these different experiences and meet lots of different people and hear about their experiences to then be able to understand mm -hmm. lots of different kinds of people, whether that's in your workspace or just in your personal life. So I love that. When you were a kid, and it sounds like you're a very empathetic kid as well, I wonder, has anyone ever described you as an old soul? Yes. Yeah. So this is this is really interesting to me. Like, have you, if, when you look back at times where, as a child, you were being empathetic, maybe it's towards your younger siblings, or actually maybe even towards adults. Is it actually is is the empathy always informed by your experiences or experiences that other people have had, or do you feel like? Sometimes there's just kind of an innate knowing. I hope that makes sense. I think but this is kind of common with yeah. people who get described as old souls. It's like perhaps you know something about that experience but haven't lived it. Yeah, I know. I completely get what you mean. I have been called an old soul before and that would be from music or even to how I've dressed before. Mm -hmm. But definitely, I think drawing on, I mean, I'm not going to be empathetic to the guillotine, but <laughs> I don't think my past lives have gone far that back. But I think, yeah, definitely. I think there is something, 
there's something larger. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about a lot of people. Mm-hmm. That How you can connect. I was reading an article recently and it was like signs you've met in a past life. And I mean, I don't know if I 100% believe it, but I think there has to be, you know, there's only so many personalities to go around really in the world. So I think there are fragments and, you know, memories, I think, of even other people. Where does it all go? Even all the love, you know, mm-hmm. it has to go somewhere. And I think generational or it could even be somewhere else. But I think... Yeah. I don't know what it is. But yeah. interesting that you said that. Yeah, because I, I feel like I can kind of relate to that, not necessarily specifically to do with being empathetic towards people, but from a very young age I've been called an old soul, but also from a very young age have been very opinionated on certain things and situations, even if I've never had personal experience in those situations. And Mm -hmm. then I've had people come back to me, you know, a decade later and say, oh, that thing you said to me, you know, when we were at school or whatever, like, yeah, actually you were right. Wow. (laughs) It's like I had no authority to be making any sort of comment on that. (laughs) And I think that's so interesting and I think ties back into what you were saying in terms of your definition of gifts, that they are inherently you know granted to us yeah do you think it's possible to develop new gifts or do you think maybe the gifts are always there it's just about at different times of your life they may manifest in different ways that's interesting I think certain things can be there and you're not conscious yeah they can be coaxed out and that could be by a teacher or a, a colleague, or even someone you've met in a bar one night. It can be just the most unlikely person that could coax something out of you. And you think, oh, wow. Do you consider it a gift at the time? I'm not sure. Mm. I do think you can learn new things. I think definitely with self-confidence. Mm-hmm. I think having good people around you is key. Mm. It truly is. People that are cheering you on, they don't necessarily have to understand what, what you're trying to achieve or if you're trying to go for a new job or oh, what do you think of this? I remember having a terrible boyfriend in my <laughs> early 20s, as I'm sure we all have, and wanting to apply for an internship at a record label. And I was working at a medical centre at the time and just kind of, you know, I've always been obsessed with music and me being, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply for this internship. And I re- will never forget being told, I think you're punching above your weight. <gasps> wow yeah. by the boyfriend by the boyfriend this Ooh. is the person I'm living with who I'm you know supposed to be you know my biggest cheerleader wow. and I remember thinking hmm bring back the balance he was gotten rid of then oh, and I applied hear. and I got it mm. but if I'd listened to that and didn't have the the sense of self or hang on a minute no mm. but someone else could be soaking up nonsense like that. And that's what's prohibiting them from moving forward. Mm. And that's what's dangerous. So I think about having agency, sense of self, hang on, where do I envisage myself going? And that's not in a real, um, you know, a, a big, let's strive for success. That, that, that That's just, just doing what makes you happy. Those little steps in life and someone could, snatch that away because their self-esteem is low and Mm. they think they're going to lose you so bringing back balance as well so I think have people within your 
frequency, mm-hmm. I'd say. Mm. You know, help along the ones that are yet to get within there. But that, that that's their own journey. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're definitely, I've always thought that you're someone that has a very strong sense of self and just a really like, I call it a quiet confidence because I think the people that have true confidence, they're not the ones that are going out and doing the big song and dance about it. They're the ones that are just really comfortable sitting in themselves and and in fact, that's all they need to know and feel confident. They know, need to broadcast it to mm-hmm. the world. Um, and I think having confidence and self-awareness and a, sen- a strong sense of self are important to tap into our gifts in life and put them into practice in however, you know, whatever way is fulfilling for us. Do you feel like you've always had that confidence to tap into these gifts of yours? Absolutely not. And I think most people would be liars if they said yes. I think life knocks you and throws you around and spins you and absolutely not, honestly. And and, and I'm glad I didn't have my self-confidence actually when I was younger. I think I would have maybe said a few choice words to a few people I shouldn't have. <laughs> Definitely. I'm glad that I I was supposed to evolve when I was supposed to evolve. And we bring back in the concept of time, definitely, about old souls. I was supposed to be who I am, age 38 today. Now, who I am now wouldn't have suited me at 28. Definitely not. I think I had to be a bit reckless and wild and, hey, I'll try this. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to go to India. That suited me then. 18, didn't have a clue. I think on my own, I would formulate thoughts or, you know, oh, should I try this? Or did, but I think I say this actually to my sister, I kind of feel, and I don't know if this is where I'm from the generation where we didn't have the internet, that I was asleep. That's what I kind of feel like. I think I was in a dream world, writing creative little poetry things and loving my music. But I think I was a little bit more introvert an introverted extrovert so it would be you know woo and life and soul of the party but actually quite deep in my thoughts mm. but the balance wasn't there to kind of uh-huh. strike something natural who, who I am today and I'm hoping at 48 I'll think wow what was she like then definitely and it keeps going but no I, I, I definitely don't think myself I think it's it's been earned okay. my self-confidence definitely I've had to really go through it and I'll draw on different experiences in my life little things that people have said I will always remember on my graduation day the dean saying no matter where you go after this day never compromise your integrity now there were some people there who were going to be dentists or go and work at Barclays we all had different paths but that common thread never compromise your integrity Mm -hmm. and sometimes still to this day 20 years on I will draw on that line from him. Mm. So, and that applies to family, relationships, work. But yeah, to be true to yourself. Because it's you who I think who has to put your head on the pillow at night and think what what happened today. Some people, you know, they could have said something flippant and not thought anything or, yeah, I think everyone's going through a real individual, unique journey 
And it's us who has to protect ourselves and mm. nurture ourselves as well as the ones we love around us. But yeah, I definitely never compromise your integrity. Mm. I feel like that could potentially be a very interesting link to your third gift, which you've described as authenticity. Mm. So tell me about that. What do you mean by that? I think it draws courage to be yourself Mm -hmm. and not in a, hey, I don't care what you think of me and I've got pink hair and grills and, you know, whatever. I think to be comfortable in your own skin and good and bad, but I think to be aware of it and, yeah, to be authentic self. I think we all have to put different hats on each day. Oh, I'm meeting a client. Oh, someone's annoyed me on the tube. Or, you know, we all have our different face-off moments, if you will. Mm. But I think knowing who you are and it's not an act and it's unapologetic, this is me, but not, I have to pull back, not in a narcissistic way, like, this is me, accept it. Absolutely not. Mm. Balance. Mm-hmm. You know, what? what's one friend could tolerate of me, another friend could, you know, be like, whoa, I don't know. I can't mm. give an example. But... Well, I was going to ask you, like, how, like, how would, how do you find that balance? I think the 180 that I kind of spoke about before of I have like certain friends that don't drink. Mm -hmm. I have certain friends who drink a lot. (laughs) So it's, and that's not me adapting to suit them. It's just read the room. And I think read the room is such an important line. I think a lot of people really need to take heed of being kind to someone's boundaries if they're not a drinker you know I'm not going to order you know I'll still have a drink but I'm not going to be hey let's get shots another friend you know I might not drink as much as them but I don't know I don't know why I'm applying it to a bar situation but <laughs> I think just it draws again through empathy what someone else feels mm. comfortable with what they might feel alarmed or not comfortable it could trigger some people I don't know just Read the room, the most important words, mirroring as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you can kind of gauge if someone's not comfortable. Empathy, all these gifts, I think, do manifest so into... interconnected. Yeah, I think mm. just human behaviour and human nature, human design. Just, I think, being aware that it's not all about you mm. and sort of almost drawing a chalk circle around your situation be it you're having dinner with a friend or you're having a meeting and just I'm not even going to use the word analyze because that feels calculated but just feeling the vibe you can kind of gauge what's going on here and yeah Mm. and just be a good egg (laughs) I'd love to kind of dive into a bit of your journey of Mm -hmm. getting to this point of authenticity because I do think that it is very difficult to be your authentic self. Mm -hmm. This goes for everybody and it does take confidence. 
So I suppose let's start from the beginning. Like when you were a child, mm-hmm. do you feel like you were always your authentic self oh, as a young much. child? <laughs> <laughs> too much. Well, because we have, as young children, we haven't yeah. been mm-hmm. sort of, what's the word? I guess like we haven't had that socialising. Conditioning. Conditioning, that's the word <laughs> I'm looking for. That's social yeah. conditioning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sam as a child, wild. Feral, I would use the word feral. <laughs> I would be with the boys, digging, fighting, playing football, fearless. Mm-hmm. Definitely wild. I remember my mum getting a call from a teacher and I was in trouble because I'd been sent to do a message to another teacher and they caught me dancing in the rain. I mean, come oh, on. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> Just spinning around I in my I don't think world. we should punish that <laughs> behaviour. They punished it. And then you fast forward a little bit more. I mean, my mum is, she is beyond goddess to me. Yeah. She, in my siblings as well, has an instilled such an innate no matter what you do you will be loved and because you were loved there's a shining light around you so that will always protect you Mm. and yeah I I think my mum's always said if it can be dreamed it can be done and Mm. I've never forgot that so oh I'd like to be an actress. My mum would be like, well, why not? Like, nothing was too big. You never dreamed too big. She would ask us to dream bigger. So I think having... It was almost like a suit of armour, unconsciously, that I was wearing because I had this biggest champion, you know, willing me on, and and I didn't know any different. So Mm. I was like, well, I'm great, because my mum said so. (laughs) So I was kind of just plodding along in my own world. Then I went to a all-girls convent run by Irish nuns. That was fun. But I met brilliant women, brilliant women, and we're still friends now. And it was a real time of nurturing your female friendships. But you're still trying to find your way, right? You know, if you don't have the right bag, it kind of becomes things like that when you're a teenager. Oh, you don't have these trainers. And it's, Mm. you're a bit like, well, who cares? But then you feel that you should care because you're weird if you don't care. And you're like, okay. But yeah, I think throughout everything, I've ultimately, they say like, show me the child of seven, I'll show you who you are. And I think that's so true. And I think even for you, Beck, like who you were as a child. Yeah. Yes, things have changed Mm. and developed, but that core beauty, even to be mischievous as a child, like it's still there when you're a grown up. And I think... Only if you let it, people can kind of kick it out. Mm. So you have to definitely protect who you are. Mm. I've been thinking a lot about this recently, actually, especially, you know, working on this podcast. I've been thinking a lot about what I was like as a child and finding clues in my childhood as to what I would end up doing. And this goes beyond just, you know, picking up my dad's camera and pretending to film like a news program or you know you know recording on windows voice recorder or something (laughs) the weather report (laughs) but it kind of goes beyond that as well it's kind of like you know tapping into I mean I've always been a dreamer always 
yeah, totally yeah. been a bit of a dreamer, but I've kind of been allowing myself to get back into that head in the clouds kind of mystical place. Yeah. I grew up in an environment where I was encouraged to dream big and, and in fact, take risks. Yeah. I'm definitely like, I am very happy taking calculated risks in my life, you know, in my personal life, in my career. And that came from my parents and my grandparents as well. But I think, you know, that's all well and good when you're a very small child and you're, you're, you are in a little bubble of your family. Mm-hmm. And then as you get older, you know, we mentioned the social conditioning that comes in. And I think for a lot of people there's different times in our lives where we do kind of forget who we are. Yeah. I'm wondering, has there ever been a point along this journey for you of like, you know, becoming really confident and comfortable in yourself? Has there ever been a point either when you're a child or a teenager or as an adult where you look back on it and you think, I wasn't tapping into this gift of authenticity. I wasn't being my authentic self. Mm, I think... Moments like that are quite fleeting for me mm-hmm. because I'll regain the balance mm. and I'll bring it back to the core of who I am. So mm-hmm. we all have our off day and you think, I can't do this. Like, But, yeah, I, I don't wallow too much mm-hmm. or even regret things. There's not many things I do regret. And Is if- that because you just see it all as a part of you being your authentic self? At leading you, like you said, you're a different person at 28 yeah. to now. I think it's all an experience yeah. and I've always learned something. Mm. I think when you're not learning something, you're repeating something, That's then you need to go and do the work, mm-hmm. definitely. But I think I'll always take stock and be like, well, well why did that happen? What could I have done? Mm. You know, what was my part to play? Definitely. Being accountable for yourself is is part of growth, definitely. And you'll try your bloody best not to do it again. And this isn't even big things. This is just, you know, your day-to-day interactions. If you're a bit short with someone, you're like, oh, that wasn't very nice, actually. I think you almost don't know until you look back. There's certain things that I can see growth in, even like travelling, you know, going to a new country the first time and, and, and a bit nervous to eat a certain food and then fast forward a few years and, you you know, you're lying in a mud hut and you, and you don't know what you're eating, but you're going in for seconds. It's fine. I think that ties in then with the self-confidence. Mm. I actually cannot wait to get old. Yeah. I cannot wait. I see grey hairs and I'm like, come on. This is why I, we get along. Honestly, <laughs> I love it. I won't yeah. dye my hair. Yeah, it, you've, you've earned it. I've earned it. Exactly. I've earned my grey hairs. What a privilege. What a it privilege is a privilege to get older. To get grey yeah. hair. If you think of yourself being seven or eight and someone's like, oh, when you're 40, you're going to be like, that's 100 years away. Like mm. it, it feels so far away. I think as well when you're experiencing loss or illness Mm -hmm. that definitely dials at home as to what's important Mm. definitely and you stop and really yeah look around you and feel such gratitude for who's in your life and 
you know? Mm. But yeah, keep these grey hairs coming. I'm I'm thrilled to get them. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> what I'm finding super interesting is that all the gifts that we're discussing today, mm-hmm. you you don't really have to think about them too much. They just literally manifest themselves in all aspects of your life. Do you ever feel like you have to stop and reflect? And I suppose also in terms of this gift of authenticity, are there any sort of conscious practices that you do to bring yourself back to yourself if you ever feel like social conditioning is getting in the way? Or is that just something that doesn't really come up for you? I think I'm too much of a daydreamer to think that deep Mm -hmm. into things, definitely. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, we were discussing earlier, sometimes I feel that life just happens. Mm. And it's like, oh, wow, life's so different to it was a year ago. But I've not consciously felt I've been a driving force in that, which Mm. obviously I have, or else things wouldn't have happened. But, yeah, I I don't think too much. (laughs) I think... Mm. I think a lot, and I also don't think too much of that makes sense. Yeah. Massive daydreamer. Yeah. It's in all my school reports. I don't know. I I think there's a lot of things I wish I was better at, Mm -hmm. and I would consider those gifts only because I'm conscious that I'm at a starting line. So Mm -hmm. if if my work said to me, oh, would would you do a presentation? The fear. (laughs) Absolute fear that I would, sweaty palms, I'm going to be sick. But this is like me in front of my colleagues. There's 50 of us. Like, there shouldn't be, it shouldn't be scary. But there's something about that. And I think, oh, I wish I, I, wish I was better public speaker. But then it also goes against um, what I feel is innately me, is mm-hmm. to speak from a script or to speak facts and figures and data. That feels so kind of against who I am that maybe that's where the visceral sort of, the body thing comes from that I feel sick and I'm sweating when I have to do it because maybe I'm in a war with myself because I'm like, this is not you. Like, I like conversations like this that are mm. human and real and flowing and lovely back and forth of connection rather than something that feels rehearsed. So I would consider that an asset. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd call it a gift. The things that I'm learning now. Okay if that makes sense. They feel like things that are bolted on for the Sam work person. Uh Uh-huh. I wouldn't call it a gift. Uh Yeah. Interesting. You definitely are someone that does not overthink things. (laughs) Like in a really, really wonderful way. And and I want to sort of touch on that in a second. But Mm. before we get to that, like how do you tap into that authenticity that you have and work out what situations are energetically like aligned to you I think you can kind of tell like sometimes and not in like an unconscious bias thing but just like oh they have you know similar clothes to me we'll get on absolutely not but there'll just be something and I'll I don't know, I just connect. Even with me and you, like, I instantly knew that we were going to be friends. <laughs> it just, and it was 
it just feels natural and a, a little bit drawing on what you said about old souls. Mm. Like I felt instantly at ease in your company. We could have been friends as Tudors. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But I think when you're, you just feel calm around that person and you're not thinking too much of it, that's when you know you're with your people. Mm. If I can't be that with someone and it, it almost feels like an irritation, I can feel if, yeah, if it's just goes against the grain and then I'll kind of have to put that hat on of be like, okay. And then it's just, yeah, I don't know. But I, 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 I struggle. I definitely struggle with things that aren't authentic. Mm. And I think as well, even, you know, like when you're traveling, no one will ever ask you, so what do you do? Mm. Uh, and I love that. Like that is my just... It's, oh, hey, did you see the sunset tonight? Wow. Like, they're the conversations I love. And it's, what books have you read? And have you listened to this? And, you know, what's your earliest memory? They're their conversations I will have. And if someone strikes up something like that with me, you've got a friend for life. Mm. I think if someone is, well, how much was that? And how, they're not my people. And I kind <laughs> of will actively avoid them, actually. I don't need people like that. Mm. in my life that are those those things aren't important to me so I will kind of veer away definitely Mm. Mm. so I get to be my authentic self because I surround myself you know I mean I think we've all been through it as well especially going through 30s friendships Mm. I don't think enough is spoken about breakups of female friendships Mm. and I think they can be absolutely heartbreaking oh yeah worse than you know boyfriends yeah yeah. When you part with a girlfriend who is your best friend, you know, sleepovers and nights out and holidays, mm. you're, you're each other's life and then suddenly it stops. Mm. I think it's heartbreaking and I don't think that's spoken enough about, but it's because that person is not on the same path or there's a breakdown or it can be a million things, not even something even has happened. Just you've both changed and you've grown and, and I hope you've grown, you know, mm. I think... Not everyone has to be there forever, but it's still really sad. Mm. But I think when someone doesn't feel like, especially if they're in your close camp, who doesn't align with what you hold sacred, then it's over. Mm. Yeah. I feel like you have a very strong, innate sense of what is energetically aligned for you. Mm-hmm. And I think you have this incredible balance Going back to balance, this incredible balance between self-awareness but then not overthinking. Mm. And I'm thinking there could potentially be people listening to this conversation thinking, okay, I would love to have the confidence to be authentic But, like, I feel like I don't even want to ask you for that advice because for you it is so inherent. But what I think could potentially be very helpful for people to sort of start thinking about is, and we were discussing this before we popped on the microphones, Mm -hmm. this sort of idea of, not taking a back seat to your own life. You're not relinquishing control of your own life, but just sort of letting things unfold. Mm-hmm. 
I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. I think for anyone who is conscious, mm-hmm. they know who they are, but they're a little bit frightened. I don't know. I think it, I feel fortunate that I can say this today. This could change. I could be 45 and be like, I don't know who I, like, life happens. Life happens. So I feel fortunate that today I feel like, well, yeah, I know myself and Mm. that can change and, and things can happen that I think, wow. And then the offshoot of growth will happen there. It could be that someone very close to me, it's not okay for them that I am this way. And you're like, okay, I'll, I'll do some, some work here. I think relinquish all ego, 100%. And know that, I think a bit how we were talking before about past lives, almost imagine that, you know, sort of, we're here for such a short time. Like, mm. I, I cannot, as Paul, my partner said, I mean, I'm 40 next year. We have 40, 50 more summits, if we're lucky. Like, mm. think of that. Imagine only, well, you can only go to 50 more Glastonbury's. That puts it into perspective. <laughs> yes. oh, that's not enough. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to be yourself and shout it from the rooftops or just even tell your mum or dad who you are? Like, that, mm. that's fine. I think, as, you know, we said before, you're the one who has to put your head on the pillow at night and be like... Was I okay with this? Mm. And if we're even talking about transferring who we are into other souls, give them the best, shiniest, magical soul. Just do everything. Everything is everything is at our fingertips and there for the taking. Mm. And that's not nudging other people out of the way to achieve X, Y, Z, but just yeah. don't be greedy. Just take beautiful things and experiences and nurture your friends love your family so much and and then the rest just slots into place Mm. there isn't a method for this I think we're all learning I think there's 90 year olds that are still learning oh yeah definitely and less out of your phone yeah put the phone down a lot more (laughs) hot tip yeah read books even if it's by the cover pick up an album that you know someone's recommended to you and just immerse yourself and be amongst beautiful things there's actually a quote and I have always loved this and it's by Cecil Beaton Mm. and it's be daring be different be impractical be anything that will assert integrity of purpose and imaginative vision against the play at safers the creatures of the commonplace the slaves of the ordinary right get print that out and look at it each morning Mm. and yeah I mean naff saying we're here for a short time not a long time but go for it because I think we've all especially getting to this age I've seen people who didn't make it here they didn't get their grey hairs Mm. and you just live the life that you've envisaged or dreamed and that doesn't matter what that is or has to fall into any cultural you know yes or no or just yeah you'll know what's authentic to your soul Mm. and you go and get it Mm. Often when I find myself, like, I sort of catch myself overthinking, Mm -hmm. I then tell myself, Rebecca, don't think, just do. (laughs) (laughs) What do you do? (laughs) Well, I think it's about finding that balance of, like, 
okay, stop overthinking it. Mm -hmm. Stop trying to find all this analysis in it. Just kind of, you know, take it more as like a vibe. What energetically feels good Mm -hmm. in this situation. And that's not, again, that's not just sitting back and letting some other force in life being in the driver's seat. That's Mm -hmm. actually, that is you in the driver's seat. Yeah, you're taking the wheel and just holding it lightly yeah. rather than like yes. tensed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So thinking about all these three gifts of yours, mm-hmm. which are definitely very much connected and intertwined, mm-hmm. do you feel like they are quite influential in terms of how you see yourself and your identity? Mm, not really. Mm-hmm. As much as things like this are integral in how I approach things, how I react to things, I don't see it as part of my identity, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I don't know. My identity, I don't know. Do they? Are they perhaps more like tools that you can use to like live your life? I just feel like... They're inside uh-huh. and I draw on them, but not consciously. It's just how I meander and react and cope, I guess, mm. with day to day. So is it a little bit like an internal compass rather than a map that you're holding in front of yeah. your face? Yeah, potentially. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah. I think... Um, it's the third time I've used this. Just be a good egg. And everything <laughs> else. That. Yeah. It's um yeah, my identity. I don't I don't think too deeply about things like that because mm-hmm. I might think something today but think something tomorrow. So I th- I think it's so transient mm. and how we evolve and I could meet someone tomorrow that flips on the head and you go, wow. Mm. And then you know, I th- I think it's so reactive to life and just yeah different conversations you can have with people and Mm. it could be a song honestly lyrics are so powerful it could be I don't know I think you just armor yourself with all this gold these gifts and and just try and try and do a good job yeah I would like do you think that if we did this podcast like in a month's time you'd pick different things as your gifts it sounds like you are very much okay with being on a constant journey and allowing things to really change. And you're kind of just like relinquishing control in the most wonderful way. I think if I was the same person, then there wasn't much growth. So I'm, I'm cool with that, definitely. The core things, as we said, from children, they'll always be there. But it's mm-hmm. those little blooms that sort of shoot up at... 40 or 55 that constantly are teaching us if you ask me in a month's time I could probably list one of my gifts as making a great margarita like you don't know how (laughs) you know it's like life feels pretty good right now so I think I'm quite positive Mm -hmm. I think if something dreadful you know you could probably draw on other things maybe that were reserves that you didn't even know you had as gifts you know with inner strength or I don't know, resilience. I I think it's what's going on with your environment. That's why it's so important to protect my peace, Mm. protect my environment. So I will have people that are, you know, kind of 
not even similar whatever you think you know you think or your music taste or where you're from I, I don't care about that but it's are your core values similar so they're the people that are kind of let into the into the fold as such but I think mm. anyone that that isn't then yeah mm. they're not invited so <laughs> yeah protect the peace yeah protect your peace and go energetically where your gifts are invited yeah and go boldly mm. mm-hmm. I, I feel like it just sounds really exciting as well that on your journey of life there's potentially things that again have been inherently with you since childhood but it sounds like you're so open to discover new ways mm-hmm. or completely discover new things that just haven't manifested yet and I think that sounds really beautiful I'm very excited <laughs> definitely yeah I hope I hope I'm still young-hearted when I'm 80 if I'm lucky enough to get to 80 and still have my grey hair and are forgiving, patient, have my balance and that life hasn't hardened me and I can still pull that empathy. I think if I get to that lovely age, that young old age of 80, I'd be pleased if if I heard this podcast back and be like, wow, she didn't know anything. <laughs> this has happened and, you know, this is what I know now then I know the journey's been good. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Topmast. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving a review and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts.